1: Could this be the most talented team that Jim Harbaugh has had yet? The answer, next on this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. But there's going to be one team that's going to play solely as a team. No man is more important than the team. No coach is more important than the team. The team, the team, the team.
2: Looks deep for Anthony Carter. Waits for him. Oh! Brady
1: gets to Luffy. Clanser and a touchdown night again. Schultz,
2: just before Gazelle got
1: him. And a leaping
2: interception by Woodson. Eyeball back to throw over the middle. Caught by Carter at the five on his again.
1: 5'7",
0: 179 pounds, a junior at Michigan, but Jamie Morris packs a wallop, and he delivers for Bo Schenbeck.
1: And here's your first play, pressure coming, second, it is Glenn Steele, number 81, who fought his way through the traffic,
2: option, and Robinson calls his own number,
1: and he's going to score, oh, an easy touchdown for Robinson!
0: win the championship again because we're going to play as a team and when we play as a team and the old season is over you and I
1: know it's going to be Michigan again Michigan Hello and welcome to this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. I am Steve Dace and now that we have gotten past the NFL early entry deadline, we've gotten past not one but two signing days, we've gotten past the early window for the transfer, transfer portal, we really now have our first real look at what the rosters for college football this fall will look like. So... A few years ago, 2017, I wanted to come up with a way that I could measure how good a team could be, right? Uh, There's a lot of great ways to do power ratings out there that I wouldn't possibly try to outdo. In fact, I'd probably just emulate. (laughs) If someone else is doing a better job than you, just... Buy their stuff. Uh, Bill Connolly at ESPN is a great example uh, with his returning production numbers in terms of building a power rating. By the way, Michigan is number five in the country. Bill says that's one of the highest ratings he has ever seen for a team that was in the playoff the year before. By by contrast, Georgia's number 80. Now, listen, I'd still rather have Georgia's roster than Michigan's, but you get the point. It is not often that a team that made the college football playoff returns a top five roster the next year, and Michigan does. But how do we measure the guys that maybe haven't produced a lot yet or haven't reached their ceiling of production? And so I, I wanted to find a way to get ahead of futures markets. And if you've been following me on Patreon the last few years, you've made some good money uh, betting uh, college and NFL futures. And one of the reasons why on the college side is what I came up with in 2017. I call it my team total talent rating. Here's how it works. We basically take the last four recruiting classes uh, from, and and the average of each of the recruit in those classes from the 24/7 composite and four points for a four-star, five points for a five-star, three points for a three-star. Uh, we do the same now. We add in guys from the transfer portal, which their composite rating from 24-7 Sports. Uh, if you've got fifth-year or now COVID-year guys after the last couple of years, we add them in as well. And and then if and then we try to account for uh, developmental programs and we have a lot of those, for example, in the Big Ten. So, you know, the old Kirk Ferentz line at Iowa, we recruit guys that come in looking like two stars and they leave here looking like five stars. So we want to we want to account for that development, too. And so when players have clearly outperformed their recruiting rating, they're bumped up a star. And, and and this metric has done a pretty good job. I mean, nothing is foolproof, but it's it's done a pretty good job of helping me identify rosters that are due for a rebound or for a cycle up or maybe for a decline and a cycle down. And that's helped me a lot with futures markets, which if you are one of our Patreon supporters, hopefully you've taken advantage of that at uh, patreon.com slash Michigan podcast. Well, this year with uh, all these things combining uh, this is the the latest we've ever debuted our initial ratings of the most talented rosters in the country in terms of their roster potential again not a power rating i know a lot of you aren't going to hear me say that and lose your minds in the comments section okay this is a this is a potential rating not a power rating what i would do and i'll just tell you what i do I've made money doing this. I'll take these and combine them with what Bill Connolly does for returning production and create my power ratings with both of them together. All right. So this is just one factor in my equation, not the equation itself. And so as of right now, with spring football starting as soon as this week around the country, Michigan starts in just two weeks. These are the most talented rosters For the 2023 season, Alabama and Georgia have been 1-2 or 2-1 in every one of these I have done so far since 2017. So that is no surprise. But this says that this is the most talented Michigan football team since I started doing this in 2017 which goes in line with what Bill Connolly has with his returning production numbers where they're rated number five. There you can see Michigan with 337 roster points. Now, it appears that Michigan's roster is close to Georgia's. This is where, again, you get into power ratings. If I was power ratings, they wouldn't be that close. I mean, Georgia's got... You know, probably more five stars in this last class than Michigan might have on its entire roster. So, but but Michigan is going to benefit heavily by the amount of fifth year and COVID year guys that are coming back. The return of a Blake Corum, when you know if he had not gotten hurt, he would have gone pro after his junior season, for example. So you can see that Michigan, and it's by a pretty good margin. Michigan has the most talented roster returning in the Big Ten this season. Uh, Texas is, you know, has always rated very highly in these. This is the most underperforming program annually since I started doing this in 2017. Oregon is clearly the class of the Pac-12 Oklahoma. I'd be looking at betting the the over-the-win total looking at these numbers. All right, you'll probably get a decent number. Oklahoma only had six wins last year. Maybe you'll get a seven and a half. Maybe you'll get an eight. Uh, if you if we get a seven and a half or an eight, I'm going to tell you right now, Oklahoma over the win total will be one of my best bets when those come out later this spring. Ohio State is considered to be quote unquote down. That's still the seventh most talented roster in the sport. LSU and Notre Dame, uh, you know, Brian Kelly's coached both of those teams. And then Penn State rounds out the top 10. And then you can see the rest of the top 20. And look at number 16, Colorado, with what they have done since Deion Sanders took over. All right, So there were a lot of guys that were going to be back on this roster anyway, but they have absolutely loaded up in the transfer portal and elsewhere to improve that roster on the fly quite a bit. I'd still say maybe at best that's a five or six win team looking at the schedule, but... If you get a three and a half or a four on, college, on Colorado's win total, you might want to consider betting the over on that. Texas A&M, by the way, after last year's number one class, I think they were number three or number four in my team total talent ratings. They've lost so much of that class, they have dropped to, to number 14. So these metrics say that, these, that, that the best teams in college football this year will likely come from this list. Now you got to factor in. Quarterback right like Miami and North Carolina are tied well North Carolina may have the number 1 overall number 1 overall draft pick at quarterback Miami doesn't so that's where you get into power ratings now you look at specific situations um you look at then we get into the season injuries things of that nature how the schedule sets up but somewhere the framework of who the th- who at least three of the four teams that will eventually make the college football playoff are probably on this list. At the at the very least, two of them are. At the very least, half of that field is right here. Most of the teams that will play in the near six are right here. All right. They just may end up being rated in different orders based on injuries, how quarterbacks develop or don't, how the schedule shakes out, etc. But this is kind of the, the metric of a framework right below Miami and North Carolina. By the way, there's so many teams that are in like the 265 to 270 range. Florida State is one of those teams. Florida State leads Bill Connolly's returning production numbers in the country. I mean, if I, was, if I was doing a power rating, I think my talent ratings have Florida State 23 or 24. If I was doing a power rating, I'd probably have Florida State top 10. All right, so that's where you have to look at the whole thing. But, the, but chances are, if, if, if what I've seen since 2017, you know, past as prologue, the likelihood is, the teams that will define the upcoming college football season, most of them are probably what you're looking at on your screen right now. It's just a matter of in which order they shake out. Well, let's find out what our bucknut friend Mark Rogers thinks about those numbers and more next. Well, let's find out what our good friend and relatively reasonable Bucknut, Mark Rogers, has to say about our debut for the first time of the 2023 team total talent ratings. And uh, I just laid out for everybody again, uh, as a reminder, these are not a power rating. All right. I actually put these potential ratings. I combine them with Bill Connolly's returning production ratings to create my own power ratings. That's actually what I do. All right. So uh, but this was just an attempt. and I say this every year. People don't get it and lose their minds every year. Even you were borderline unreasonable about this last year. It's not a power rating. It's just me trying to quantify what teams ceilings may be. Okay. I'm trying to see whose roster is basically in a cycle up or a cycle down overall. This is not to say Michigan's roster is only a player or two beneath Georgia's. It's not. It's just Michigan is bringing back a crap ton of – this is the year, Mark. You guys claimed this the last two years. You're finally right this year. This is the year we're bringing back a bunch of fifth- and sixth-year seniors. You're right about it this time. All right, And that's reflected in Bill Connolly's numbers. I think he said this is the the most uh, returning production from a, a returning playoff team he's ever had. Michigan's number five in their returning production numbers off a playoff team because of the amount of guys they're bringing back. Another thing I should point out, I don't have every team's fifth-year and sixth-year COVID guys yet. They haven't declared that in their rosters. So when you look at the the full gamut of teams, you'll see a little star next to them, and those are teams that I don't have fifth- or COVID senior-year team or senior-year guys. I won't get that probably till the spring. And then one other uh, little disclaimer I should throw out there before, um, I, before I bring you in is, um, and I forgot what it was, so maybe I'll remember in a minute. I'll let you go ahead and begin, Mark. Your thoughts, we'll throw the graphic back up there. This is the initial top 20 team total talent ratings. Oh, I just remembered looking at Michigan. Remember last year I said Michigan was four guys over over the scholarship limit, and that's what gave them the points ahead of Ohio State, remember? They never got rid of those guys. Michigan played with four guys over the scholarship limit the whole season. So one thing to think about here is I don't know in the NIL era um, what scholarship limits even mean, right? You can just have a guy be basically have, you know, an NIL thing to pay for his deal out, off of scholarship. So, you know, that kind of throws in the 85 count thing kind of, you know, in, into flux. But that was the other thing I was going to mention. So now, Mark, we'll throw the graphic back up there. You may now pick away at what the numbers say. These are not my numbers. They're just the numbers I, that I counted. I didn't, I didn't impose my will on these numbers at all. I just counted them up.
2: Somebody did build this system, though, Steve. Did they not? Yes, it's called, the, tw- uh, it's called
1: the it's called the twenty four seven composite.
2: Okay. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, just keep in mind how remarkably uh, sensible I was. When Ohio State was beating Michigan every year and they were ranked higher in your talent rankings every year. It was easy for me to be sensible then. Yes. Becoming less and less um, (laughs) easy for me. And may I say, I hope
1: you become even more unsensible, therefore, of that. If your sensibility is tied to Michigan winning that game, I hope you become literally jihadic. But go ahead, brother.
2: All right. Let's look at it right now. And like you just stated there, uh, as the NCAA continues to just extend these guidelines or, or just abolish the guidelines that related to COVID and just extend these scholarships and there is no limit to anyone, then, yeah, it's going to be a little bit more difficult to track as uh, our friends in the SEC will stockpile rosters. But uh, I'm amazed at how close Michigan is to Alabama and Georgia. That's first and foremost I am just as astounded right there. And then also astounded... All right, let me, pause,
1: he- let me pause right there. We'll do these one at a time. The, the, Georgia has more five stars, I think, in this last class than Michigan has totally on its roster, okay? The the question, the, what's happened with Michigan is the amount of fifth- and sixth-year guys they are bringing back, what they did in the transfer portal, right? So Michigan basically in the NIL environment, and, and I don't want, and I said this earlier, Michigan is, is paying... A lot of money in NIL, one of the most lucrative NIL programs in the country. They're just not giving it to recruits. Okay. That's how they got Trevor Keegan, Zach Zinner, and these guys to come back. They're going to get compensated handsomely. Jim Harbaugh doesn't want to pay guys, drop a bag for guys who haven't done a damn thing on a college football field yet. So Michigan is Michigan is Michigan therefore decided this year to go get the five stars that didn't sign in recruiting to go find 20 and 21 year olds that were ready to go right now in the transfer portal to be those guys that would kind of supplement the roster. All right. So I'd still Mark would much rather have Georgia and Alabama's roster, but this is a very unique situation where the experience numbers that Michigan is bringing back among elder classmen is appears perceptively to be closing that gap.
2: And of course, the transfer portal has minimized the impact of the recruiting rankings out of high school. It's also made your job much more complicated, Mm -hmm. but it's also made this a much more valid process and more meaningful for your viewers to to take hold of and not just run to the 247 sports uh, over the last four years to check out and and try to evaluate its team versus uh, the competition. Uh, so I am uh, more be- uh, of a believer of the Georgia quarterback room at this point than the Alabama quarterback room, even though Jalen Milroe had a game and a half under his belt. I did not like what I saw last season, full off season to develop. But of course, as I pointed out in previous years, and this is difficult for you to take on. But, of course, uh, the quarterback position is the most important position, yep. and therefore there's there's nothing built in uh, to deal with that. Uh, I'm astounded that Ohio State's lower than Oklahoma and Oregon. I will say that, of course, Ohio State, they have brought in relatively small classes, recruiting yep. classes in recent years. Yep. So that may factor into that it. That is
1: the factor. You it, just named it right there. That That's the factor right there.
2: Yeah. They've been very selective also in the transfer portal. Of- Portal where where Michigan, Florida State and some other schools have gone out there and just brought in loads of talent. Ohio State has just kind of picked a few players during these two big transfer portal cycles. And they did have the number three class in terms of per player mm-hmm. rating this past uh, season. Uh, I find it somewhat amusing also, Steve, that LSU and Notre Dame are tied. The Brian Kelly success.
1: teams, yeah. yeah that is interesting
2: Kelly said he kind of inferred a number on a number of occasions that he needed to go to lsu to find the kind of talent uh, to win a national championship
1: that is interesting it'll be fascinating to see a year from now whether they are tied or not Uh, i suspect lsu will surpass notre dame but you know we shall see what else what else stands out to you about those numbers
2: well, the two big Texas schools continue to underachieve. Of course, uh, Texas is 13 and 12 the last two years under Sark. And of course, Texas A&M was a complete train wreck under Jimbo. And uh, I've got to see something that's going to prove otherwise. Of course, Colorado. It is, this is the only place you highlight the coach. Uh, so <laughs> I, I, the only uh, what's not adding up for me. So waiting for the explanation here. So I looked at Colorado's recruiting classes. Largely a lot of these players not on the current roster, but I gotta think some of them still are to mm-hmm. some extent. So so the, the recruiting rankings that made up this current roster rank between number thirty-six and sixty-five. Then you bring in a twenty twenty-three classic Colorado that's number twenty-nine. The transfer rank is five, the composite is twenty-one. How does all that add up to number sixteen?
1: I think is it sixteen or is it sixteen or seventeen? Now keep in mind though we there's like 7 points or 10 15 points of difference from where colorado is to teams that are like in the in the 30s all right once we get out of like the 280s it it's a lot like a college it's a lot like the rankings you know there's a tier of teams that we all know are kind of the playoff contenders then there's maybe a tier right below that that we think are kind of the near 6 teams or could win their conference and and then after that in a given week in college football you know you and I can when we do a weekly top 25 trying to figure out who teams 19 through 25 every week can be is A flip of a coin, okay? That's kind of how this works out, too, right? You can see the tiering, right? And so you can see once you get past teams that are in the 280s, and even the teams in the 280s are, there's a lot of uh, deadlocking there. Once you get past that, brother, there's not much of a difference between the 17th roster and the 48th roster. There just isn't. We're talking a player or two there. So I would not worry or fixate so much on where Colorado is at specifically, just that they're there anywhere generally, if you know what I'm trying to say. That that sure. it clearly shows he has on the fly upgraded this roster tremendously. Now, they were primordial ooze, okay? They were primordial ooze before he arrived. So what is a significant upgrade? I'm Cro-Magnon? Um, Neanderthal. I mean, fully developed Homo sapien. I don't know. You know. I mean, that's why we're going to play the games, okay? But here, so if I were betting this, and that's the primary reason I do this to help me win futures markets, if I had a if I had a three for Colorado's season win total, I'd I'd hammer the over. If I had like an, a seven and a half or an eight for Oklahoma's preseason win total, I'd hammer the over. If I had a nine for Oklahoma, wouldn't bet it. If I had a four or four and a half for Colorado looking at the schedule, I think the first two games aren't they TCU and Nebraska, I think, okay? Wouldn't bet them. You know that that's what you're 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 looking for inefficiencies in the market. Mm. To play futures. And if you have followed me on my Patreon page the last few years, my game picks have been up and down over the last few years, but my futures picks have been very good. And so that's what you're looking for is inefficiencies in the market. So what, what I would be doing with, th- with this right now, it's what I do. So I'll just tell you guys in the audience what you should do with them. It's what I made them for. Star teams that either seem to be way higher or way lower than your perception cuz your perception is more than likely where the market is going to be when the market's debut right and and it doesn't always work my 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 numbers had stanford way higher than the perception of the market that was one of the few i only lost two win totals out of 10 bets last year and stanford was one of them okay but there were but there were three or four other places where my numbers found inefficiencies and they were right Okay, and so that's what you're looking for. And so Colorado's a team; you put a little star around them and say, "Okay, when those win total markets come out in May, I I want to run and find out where theirs is right away to see if it's too low, like a three or three and a half, or if it's I'd leave it alone, like a four and a half or a five. That's that's what you should be doing with this
2: right now. Along those same lines, folks, um, sixty-five Power Five teams. Guess how many, I'll, I'll, I'll release the number here in a, a minute after we have more discussion, I'll let everybody think about this for a few minutes. How many of those teams between 2021 and 2022 either increased their win total by at least three or it decreased by at least three? That's what I consider a, a significant mm-hmm. drop off or increase in wins. Six and six to nine and three, for example, out of 65 in the power five in a sport where we generally perceive it to stay the same from year to year. It it surprised me. All right. Uh, That's about all I had from the top 25. I really dug into the Big Ten as well. What would you think about the Big Ten numbers? So what I got in the Big Ten, first of all, there's an obvious disparity, just like there is an actuality on the field between the top three and everybody Mm -hmm. else. That's Mm -hmm. where you see the gap. That's where you would expect to see the gap. Northwestern, my goodness, they're know, awful. So there's as much of a gap. And you know, between I, you know,
1: I'm a Pat Fitzgerald fanboy, but dude, it, it, I mean, I don't I, know where to go.
2: It's difficult. Me, I'm going to be releasing coaches' rankings here soon, and and I don't know where to put him anymore because it's just been four and twenty in the last twenty four games. Uh, so so just as much of a gap in talent between Northwestern and Indiana than Indiana and going up four or five spots um, up the ladder. That's that's significant, of mm-hmm. course. Uh, Iowa. <laughs> Iowa's kind of strange in that they play slightly above their talent pool, slightly above, not excessively. They they recruit in the high 30s, around 40 something in that range and they play a little bit better than that, but not too much. But what intrigues me about Iowa is they then produce what is currently the sixth most NFL players on NFL rosters. So I don't know if those guys are getting developed at Iowa. Or, or they are they are finding diamonds. You in You just rough. Defi-
1: you just defined why Iowa fans Brian Ference needs armed security to leave mm-hmm. the football building because those guys are getting development at Iowa. They just don't know how to put even a competent offense on the field, even a competent one.
2: And we will tackle that at some point on my my channel between the two of us because uh, I think Brian Ferentz is 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 certainly happy and safe that. Uh, Iowa fans are as kind as they are. If if this was another fan base, uh, I think that that helps matters as well because I think seven and five, eight and four works for them, and they don't care how they get it done. Uh, Minnesota, I'm not questioning it; just a bit surprised. Number eleven in the rankings, obviously. PJ Fleck has them uh, consistently contending in a Big Ten Western Division, uh, and then just back to the top with Ohio State, Michigan. Thirty-four talent points separate these two. So this takes uh, the same gap from Ohio State at number seven nationally to off the top 20. Mm -hmm. That's the same gap. Also, um, I looked at returning production. So Michigan's fifth in the nation in returning production. So you set us up for that. Ohio State and Penn State, largely due to losing starting quarterbacks, are at 48th and 56th. So that could be... You could consider it a warning sign, or you could, in Penn State's case, maybe they've got a better quarterback coming in from a talent perspective. And then, um, you know, much like you, I'm losing what my other point was, and I thought it was a good one. But uh, that those were my basic uh, takeaways from the Big Ten.
1: I mean, you, Michigan's just a unique situation this year. I mean, i will be fascinated to see what Michigan's numbers are next year. But, I mean, this year they brought back almost the exact with the exception of Ryan Hayes and Ola Olawatimi, every guy that started on that offensive line that won the Joe Moore Award is back. And they started like three or four different guards because of injuries. All right. They brought all those guys back. Well, before those guys agreed to come back, they went out and essentially re recruited this year's offensive line in of the transfer portal. <laughs> All right. The starting center at Stanford, uh, the starting left tackle at Arizona State. Well, those guys might be backups now. I, I don't know. I mean, Michigan basically has two offensive lines, not like a two deep, two whole, you know, like a hockey line of offensive lines. And so that's why there's just a very unique situation there this year. With the amount of guys that they were able to agree to, bring, to get to agree to bring back and keep in mind those guys agreed to come back not knowing for sure if Jimmy was going to be back. I think that speaks to the success of the team, but it also speaks to what, what programs like a and and others are doing dropping bags for kids that have not played. And and losing half your recruiting class in one transfer portal cycle, Michigan has decided that it is going to richly reward people like Blake Corum who return, um, and they're going to primarily use the NIL for roster management and to re-recruit. Their own roster in the transfer portal era. Like Michigan is the, of all the playoff teams, Michigan was the one that did did, did, did not have a bunch of guys hop into the portal right after they lost. Okay. So their player retention numbers are very, very high. Now we get into next year and Michigan has kind of had two meh recruiting classes by Michigan standards in a row. It'll be, you could see them finish. I could, I wouldn't be shocked if assuming JJ and Donovan Edwards go pro too. Wouldn't be shocked to see Michigan probably down in the 280s in roster points next year. And we'll be having a different conversation that maybe their roster is now kind of in a cycle down
2: period. Another way to underline this for Ohio State fans to be pissed off about and Michigan fans to feel good about if they believe in these talent rankings is the same disparity in the Big Ten between Michigan and Ohio State is the disparity between Ohio State and the fourth place team in the Big Ten. That seems just inconceivable to me.
1: Would you rather have Ohio State's roster than the fourth best in the Big Ten? Of course. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, what, what, what this is telling you, though, from a depth standpoint, is the top, of the, the, the top guys on Ohio State's team are going to be way better than the fourth best team in the Big Ten. What this is telling you, though, from a depth standpoint, is this is not a cycle up year. But does that mean that the the star guys, Kyle McCord, could not be the next first-year Ohio State quarterback? Nobody's ever – I'm going to bet Kyle McCord to win the Heisman Trophy because he's the starting quarterback at Ohio State, okay? What it does tell you, though, is, you know, injuries could become a factor. And remember, just two years ago, they went 10-2, and you know? I mean, so – I think the numbers aren't that crazy at all if you actually look at it in the context of what is a, of what is trans, what is actually transpired on the
2: field. Well, only about ten percent of me says that they're crazy, so that's not all coming from they're, they're just crazy. I'm just highlighting um, the the flip that has occurred in the last couple of years. Apparently, the flip we've yeah. seen the flip on the field, right. so that's yeah. Reality. right.
1: Yeah, now is it a is it a permanent thing? That's where we get into recruiting in Michigan. Uh, it, it, it's, it's where Michigan's position has done great using NIL to retain players, to get guys to not go to the NFL. It has been, it's been as successful as any program in the country where that is concerned. But to not yep, use I- it as a recruiting inducement has led to uh, consecutive kind of eh, recruiting. Well, no, really, it's just this class. I mean, last year in the Darius Clemens class, Derek Moore class, that was still considered a really good class. This is a Wisconsin-level class that Michigan just brought in, and it's because of NIL more than anything else.
2: So, Steve, for my understanding and everybody else is out there, and I know you're not going to be able to pull the metrics out of your rear end, but uh, in regards to Ohio State of Michigan, after Ohio State just brought in the fifth-rated recruiting class in Michigan, number 18, I believe, what if those were dead even? Let's say they brought in the exact same class or there was no recruiting class. What do you think they would do to those numbers? Because, again, I'm just outlining how stark the contrast or the disparity between the two point totals considering Ohio State's class— most recent class versus Michigan's.
1: You would just simply look at what you'd go to the 24 seven composite and look at the different point, the difference in point uh, score between Ohio state's class and Michigan's and that, and then take that difference away or add it on to Michigan. And that's what it would be. It would, hmm. So what I'm basically saying is that if Michigan had recruited the way that it should have coming off of back-to-back playoff appearances, if it had, if it had gone from that uh, eight to 12 recruiter, that Clemson originally was to a top 4 recruiter after it made back-to-back playoffs if it had made that jump Michigan's class would be rivaling Alabama's for the most uh, roster for the most talented one in the country that's what it, that's what we'd be saying and based on the results you've seen on the field for the last 2 years does that sound nuts i don't i could see why maybe last year it sounded nuts hey one time it's an outlier after the results you've seen the last 2 years i don't understand how it sounds nuts at all
2: I guess I still uh, have that memory of watching Ohio State play Georgia, and still believing that uh, at their best, they're the second best team in the country. Or that twenty. I don't agree. Team. I
1: don't disagree with you, but a lot of those, the guy who played maybe the best game any Ohio State quarterback has ever played in the history of the program, he ain't there. He's gone. You know, I mean the so, I mean there's a lot of the guys that played in that game that aren't going to be there now. Now I I would also though put a circle around Ohio State. I'd be curious what their win total is. Like if it's 11, I'd absolutely bet the under. If it's like 10, I'd probably bet the over. Because I think there's that kind of fluctuation with where I think in my preseason ratings, I'm going to have Penn State, Ohio State, and Michigan probably all in the top five. No, No lower than all in the top six. So we're really talking about, And I don't have a clue what happens if like Michigan goes to Penn State and loses, and Ohio State comes to Michigan and loses, and Penn State goes to Ohio State and loses, and they're all eleven and one. I think that could happen. I might actually just predict that for fun, (laughs) because I think it's possible. I don't have a clue what the tiebreakers are. Okay, but uh, I my numbers show that that kind of a season is very possible. And then you start looking at now that count that that's a that's I've got a lot more confidence that Kyle McCord will live up to that hype than drew alar we've not really seen them in the james franklin era develop that kind of a quarterback presence they kind of lucked into trace mcsorley who way outplayed his recruiting rating right but if drew alar is ready to play up to his recruiting rating i think all three of those teams being on that final screen that last sunday of the college football season in december when they named the playoffs i think they could all be there don't you It's just a matter of what numbers they are on that final, you know, that final screen with the top six, the four that make it and the two that are the next two. I think all three of those programs could be in that could be in that top six. Hell, they were in 2016. All three of those teams were in that top six in 2016, Mark.
2: Absolutely. In Penn State, the bulk of their roster, the quality of its roster were freshmen and sophomores Mm -hmm. this past year. Uh, It's just all up to James Franklin to be able to (laughs) put it put it all together when it counts.
1: All right. Good stuff, brother. Appreciate you as always. Thanks for joining us. Thanks, Steve. All right. That'll do it for this week's episode with Mark Rogers. We'll come back. We'll have our Twitter poll results. We will get into your feedback of the week and more to wrap it up next. This week's Twitter poll results, we asked you, do you believe Jaden Davis, the prized five-star quarterback recruit from the class of 2024, do you believe after numerous delays in committing, he will finally sign a letter of intent to play football at Michigan? And the majority of you do not. 53% said no, that's how I would vote. I'd probably still vote no, even if he committed. 47% said yes, I, I want to be wrong, but... At what we're seeing right now is, barring a, a legacy level of relationship, you're just not getting top 100 recruits without dropping the preemptive NIL bag. And Michigan doesn't want to do that. Harbaugh doesn't want to do that. I don't think he wants to get into a situation where guys who haven't produced anything get paid a lot more money than the guys on the team that have. So if you look at what Michigan's done with existing players on the roster— It's one of the most prolific NIL programs in the country, actually. How do you think they got Zach Center and Trevor Keegan and all these guys to come back? Yeah, they love Michigan, but now they're going to make maybe more money than they would have made next year in the NFL, or at least it's competitive. All right, so in terms of taking care of current players, Michigan's doing pretty okay. But when it comes to dropping bags for guys that haven't played a single down of football yet, I just don't think Michigan is going to do that. I don't think Jim Harbaugh wants to do that. And until we see something different, I just, you know, we've seen two classes now where it's been very difficult to get top 100 kids without being, without a personal stake relationship, you know, legacy of that program. It's hard to get those guys if you're not dropping a bag before they sign, a, sign the LOI. So we shall see. Hopefully all of us that voted no will turn out to be wrong here next December. Let's get to this week's feedback of the week. Comes from Brian Salo, who says it would be a massive blow to not get Jaden Davis, after already missing out on Dante Moore and C.J. Carr, who were in our own backyard. I wonder about C.J. Carr, by the way. And I agree. I mean, it would be a it would be a massive blow. There's other guys out there in Michigan could still get that are very good quarterback prospects. But um, I keep an eye on the C.J. Carr thing. Now you have Tommy Reese, the O.C. at uh, Notre Dame, moving on to Alabama. That was his guy. Um, You know, just that's what the transfer portal is uh, there for, for quarterbacks. So that might be something to watch moving forward. But uh, Dante Moore is a great example, too. You bet. I mean, Michigan offered him in the eighth grade and wasn't able to close the the deal with him. So hopefully, again, we'll be proven wrong about Jaden Davis, but you're going to have to prove me wrong, unfortunately. I've got a lot of great optimism about this upcoming season. Not the most optimism about that recruitment, but that's why we play the games. That'll do it for this week's episode of Michigan Podcast. Don't forget you can like, rate, subscribe, share, follow, five-star review, however you watch, whether it's right here on YouTube or however you listen, like on iTunes or elsewhere. It would be great, please, if you'd help us to find more Michigan fans just like you. And we thank all of you for tuning in. You can also follow us on Twitter in between episodes at Michigan Podcast as well. No episode of Michigan Podcast next week. So we will see you again in two weeks here. And we'll probably have a clearer picture of whether Michigan basketball is truly on the bubble for the NCAA tournament or not by the time we see each other again. Until then, I'm Steve Dace. Go Blue.